Welcome in to two for one drafts live here on a Monday following the 2021 NFL draft. What an insane weekend, man. We went through it, dude. 22 hours of live draft coverage on PFF.com, YouTube, and Twitter, and we are back. We are mm. back in studio. We've been doing the remote podcast for a little bit. We appreciate you, you everyone listening, appreciate you getting through those because a lot of the audio can be kind of choppy. My brain was also like complete mashed choppy. potatoes. <laughs> yeah, also choppy um, through that. But before we get into the picks, we're going to do you know favorite pick of each round, biggest surprise, some some of the biggest reaches, mm -hmm. winners and losers, a lot of that stuff and, and so forth. Before we do that, give me a big highlight from the coverage, man, because it was banana land we had the we shotgun red bulls with the intern and yeah. she spilled it all over her everyone it was <laughs> she did the, the classic floor. shotgun fail where and you flip it the, wrong, the wrong way it was pretty it was but give me a highlight give me a highlight. uh there were a few uh, i love chris eating a whole pizza on day one dude he put getting, yeah i've never seen anyone eat pizza like that that was crazy i mean i have i've done it myself <laughs> sadly but he just he kept going every break he would go back and get two more pieces and we're just like at some point we're like holy shit the guy he put down a full pizza full pop john's pizza that was That's great so true i think he, on day three the last hour where like any dead air you were just like filling it with anything and was, <laughs> that was cracking about. me up i can't remember the last hour of day three like we were yeah. alive for eight hours and my brain was i had eight red bulls yeah and i could feel I, my heart was hurting at the end of that i was like telling you like dude I don't even want to talk about these picks like that not to like be a dick but it's like some of these there's just no yeah there's no point at, yeah. at, at that at that point in time like those are udfas any other year just because this really small class day day three was a grind but it was fun man i i, I enjoyed it not not done yet though not done yet not done yet not done yet so today we're going to do some favorite picks least favorite picks biggest surprises biggest reaches and then we got two more podcasts this week we're going to break down every single AFC team in a podcast and then every single NFC team in a podcast not just look at the draft but really do like a season outlook like hey yeah. your roster is near complete at this point the only big domino maybe left to fall is the Aaron Rodgers stuff like does Aaron Rodgers go to Denver or whatever it may be like that's like the only I guess the Deshaun Watson stuff we'll see how that pans out I definitely don't think he plays in Houston but it's like those are the only two big dominoes to fall the NFL landscape is largely set and um it, it'll be fun so over the next two days uh we're going to record an afc and an nfc podcast breaking down all those teams but today let's start with your favorite picks and biggest surprises from each round or biggest reach from each round starting with round one yeah surprise reach whatever we, we don't want to hammer any negative yeah, yeah. too hard here but the favorite pick from round one was the justin field selection i could not believe like all the reports of him falling whatever i just thought someone would watch the tape and covet what he brings to the table yeah like someone would kind of cut through the noise or whatever the the bs smoke screens all going out there all the negatives in the media about him and say throw for throw he's about as good as it gets on his college tape in this class right up there with i don't know like any of those top three guys i had him with wilson fields or excuse me wilson fields and lawrence one two and three in, in the class like they were not similarly tiered lawrence obviously ahead of them but like those guys are number one overall caliber prospects in my eyes and to get that guy at 11 a better prospect than mitchell trubisky in my opinion like that that gives you a lot of hope as a bears fan like that honestly we kept saying they're in one of the worst situations in the nfl they can't get a quarterback in this class and they, they fucking they get yeah one. they get one and so uh, bears fans have to be just ecstatic 
about that. I mean, we talked about it a ton in the pre-draft process about the teams that would be in a position to go get one of these guys. It was, yeah. you know, Denver, it was Carolina before they made the trade for Sam Darnold. It was Washington at 19. It was New England at 15. And then lastly, it was like Chicago at 20. Maybe they could come up, but they'd have to pay the most. And they only gave up a future first round pick and a future third, like, yeah. or I think a 2021 third. Like that is nothing to come up nine spots and grab a potential QB1, especially when you look at the San Francisco 49ers, they trade two future first round picks and a future third to go up nine spots up to three to go grab Trey Lance. And arguably, you know, we're not going to dig into, you know, differences in evaluations a ton, but Justin Fields is arguably a better quarterback prospect than Trey Lance. And I know some people who view Fields over Wilson, like to get him at 11, people are after me saying, you know, saying you can't have a steal of the draft at 11. It's like, no, that is the seal of the draft because that was like the single most impactful player after one, two, three, like after one, Mac Jones probably in there as well. But like, man, that was a steal even with what they gave up. Yeah, from a, like if you do the PFF draft board, how they have players ranked and like translate that to the projected four-year war for the rank on our draft board. Third rank player to getting that, getting that guy at 11 is the single biggest gap between yep between a value gap. And now I just, I can't, with the Fields pick, I can't get over the Panthers sort of strategy this offseason at the quarterback position. Really can't. I, I, I hate And it. last offseason. I hated it. Yeah, like the... Teddy, Teddy, we said at the time, was one of the worst signings. Just awful. Like, not a, such a such a bad swing to make at the quarterback position. They paid him $33 million guaranteed. They paid yeah. him $33 million guaranteed for a roster that was not good last year yeah. to, to will them into the number eight overall pick. Like, yeah. And they honestly finished with fewer wins than I thought they would. Yeah, and so, and then to go get Darnold, who you're going to pay $18 million in 2022. That's finalized. Like that is guaranteed. You exercise his fifth year option. He's getting eighteen point eight million dollars. Like so, he's not cheap. You're getting a not cheap quarterback who has also not been good. <laughs> like you know, there's, yes, he can develop. Yes, he'll be better than he was in New York. But man, it, it, like the the leap he would have to make would be unprecedented to be like a quarterback worthy of what you did this offseason unprecedented so. is a good word for it inexpensive some perspective on that 18 million dollar number cam newton is making five million dollar base salary and even if he wins a super bowl yeah. with all those incentives it goes up to 14 yeah. like he's like 18 million dollars is a lot of money to be paying sam Darnold, and you have to because you're stuck now you trade a second round pick for him and they exercise mm-hmm. a fifth year option it's just again I, I it goes back to the teddy bridgewater though that was the decision that forced them into this and then you make that decision to trade for sam Darnold when you were in a position to grab justin fields man i think i said it um I don't know when I said it, but I said if they grabbed Justin Fields at eight and never traded for Sam Darnold, we're talking about one of the steals, like one of the best draft classes ever. Like this is like a legit, and then you got Joe Brady. We're talking about the Carolina Panthers as like a dark horse to win the division, not with Tampa Bay, but like you're like a dark horse to make the playoffs. But like, I don't know, man. Brutal to see. Brutal to see. All right. Biggest surprise of round one. I'm not sure it's even a surprise at this point, but Alex Leatherwood going 17. Like not a single person. Could would consider him not a single person I saw considered him a top seventeen player in this class, except for Tom Cable, except for Tom Cable, who had him as OT one, which also blows my mind. Um, they said it was over Sewell. Yeah, they said Tom Cable said he liked Alex Leatherwood over Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you had a mock draft with Alex Leatherwood going to the Raiders at seventeen? How many Raiders fans would be upset now, talking themselves into this pick because Tom Cable likes him? Yeah, I mean, here's what I'll say: the only one, like when you're the only one. 
Like a chance are it's not it's it's not you're not you're not smarter than everyone else in the world probably overconfident in your own evaluation potentially but I do think with the Alex Leatherwood pick I, I we've hit on it a ton but I will say at least it's a valuable position you know like that's another thing it's I like, don't know like when people project him to end up a guard he might end up he's going to start a tackle this year they're going to start at right tackle this year and like at least if he does develop like Colt Miller did and I think Colt Miller was a better prospect than Leatherwood would you agree um yeah but, but like but, if he can develop similarly. To Colt Miller, as they have had, I mean, he's not the same level athlete, but still has some well, tools so, there. I'm not hating on Alex Leatherwood. I, I think he's a fine prospect. It's more who you passed up. Yeah, you know, you passed up guys who can make an impact on your team. But you, you you get him at 17, you're getting a guy who, like, I, I think he's going to be a starting caliber tackle. That's fine. But you passed on possibly elite level cornerback play and like a Caleb Farley, possibly elite level defensive end play, Quiddy Pay, like possibly number one type of wide receivers in this class. It definitely wasn't Bateman. a swing for the fences move. Yeah. So it so, was kind of just like they've been, it was kind of like the Cleveland Furrow pick, which is like, oh, you hit it like a little nice single with a valuable pick. Yeah. And that's not where you hit singles. You hit singles in the second round. Some perspective here. According to the Athletics Consensus Board, the biggest reaches of round one was actually Peyton Turner, the Houston yeah. edge defender, going to the New Orleans Saints at the back end of the first round. Then Alex Leatherwood going to the Raiders at 17. And then Jamin Davis going to the Washington football team at 19. I thought the consensus board would have been higher on Davis, but it was one of the biggest reaches as well. And more context there, 2020, the biggest reaches were Jordan Brooks going to Seattle. Damon Arnett, Raiders again at 19, taking him out of Ohio State. And then Isaiah Wilson, which... Uh, Again, yeah. big reach for a reason. Um, where was Turner on the consensus board, do you know? I think it was okay. outside the top 40. You don't just have the consensus board memorized? I don't I'm, have I'm, it memorized. I'm, no, I'm it might have been, might have been in the 50s or 60s. I'm disappointed in you. I, so that's why I think that that is my, officially this year's version of, oh, I like that guy. Oh, I don't like that guy that much. Like yeah. I feel like during the process, I'm like, dude, I like Peyton Turner. I like him more than like people are kind of hyping this guy up. And then he gets drafted the first time. I'm like, okay, that maybe that's a little too much. I think that was LJ Collier a couple of years ago. Who was that guy? I actually that was Jordan Brooks last year too. I was like, I like Jordan Brooks, not that much. But that that was the Seahawks usually draft that guy. Now the uh, Saints taking their turn. All right, jump to favorite pick of round two. Favorite and most surprising pick of round two. Uh, I'm gonna go. This was maybe my favorite pick in the entire draft, just in terms of where they got a guy, Jeremiah Wiscormo at 52 to the Browns. Um, there were some other good round two ones. Christian Barmore to the Pats I loved as well. But man, 52 when he was in play at 26, like realistically in play at 26. Um, just and and you see you saw Aziz Ojolari fall to the second to 50. You saw Terrace Marshall fall to the back end of the second, and JOK. But those guys have injury reasons why they fell. Mm -hmm. None of that with Luis Carmo. Just solid, solid play. I think my favorite pick is Asante Samuel Jr. of the Chargers at 47. That's, that's another really good second round pick. Other picks I liked, Elijah Moore the Jets at 34. Trayvon Merrick to the Raiders at 43. I like Sam Cosme at 51 to the Washington football team. I think that was good value. Dylan Radins at 53 to the Tennessee Titans. What was your biggest surprise pick, though? It had to be 2-2 Atwell. Just had to be. Yeah. I... I could not just I can't believe they drafted him there. 155 pound wide receiver in the second round. Top 60 pick. Not gonna start for you anytime soon. I don't know. I just couldn't believe it. All right, round three. Your favorite pick from round three. Uh favorite pick from round three, Elijah Molden at hundred. That was that's great value. Like I was absolutely yeah. Now I get why he falls there, slot cornerback. Don't know if he can actually play safety, undersized, but He's a damn good football player. He's just gonna he's gonna find a way to work out. Like that one of those guys where it's just 
sees the game too well. I like, I like Elijah Molden. I think that would be my favorite pick of round three. But I also like the two interior offensive linemen drafted at the back end. Kendrick Green going to the Pittsburgh Steelers at 87. And then Quinn Miners going to the Denver Broncos at 98. Yeah. Two really good guys that I think could start early. You know, like legit start early for both those teams. Yeah, Miners pick, I love. Uh, I can't believe he lasted that long. People were talking about him being the first ever, or the highest ever D3 guy drafted. Ali Marpet, I believe, still holds that title. He was drafted somewhere in the second. But... Yeah, we had him as a second round type of value and goes all the way back in a third. Um, the pick I was, I think I said this on the show, the pick I was floored about though. My God. Nation Wright. Nation Wright. That guy's, just go, I would rec, I don't know, watch this tape. Just go watch him, like, just go look at him. He looks ridiculous for a cornerback. He's 6'4, 183. Like, that's one of the, like, I've never seen a cornerback built like that in the NFL level. I'm trying to think. That's just not an NFL build. He's so skinny. Like 183 pounds is small for a 5'11 corner. And he's six foot four. Just think about that. Like he's just gonna get that's like a basketball bodied. Yeah, it is. And and he also just has no explosiveness like out of his he had a 165-10 split at his 40. 165? 165. Oh my gosh. There's no like closing juice whatsoever. He's got Closing Long juice? Speed. Is that the first time you guys said closing juice? I don't think I've heard that before. It's not a great term. I, I don't, don't like it. Closing, but it's, it, you know what I'm talking I about. I get what you're saying. Uh, no closing juice. Some of the like <laughs> clunkiest tips. I just, like, if he's doing anything other than playing press, it's going to be an issue. Yeah. And yeah, I get that he's got a massive wingspan. Uh, but dude, it, it's, a, it's just a weird ass pick, in my opinion. I don't know how he sees the field. Like, if, if you're doing anything else, it's just going to be, he's going to be a, target he's gonna have a target on his back clunky hips and no closing juice the cowboys draft overall though if we can for a second just touch on that it's been wild like it's wild what they did like they obviously they took one... every guy with off field <laughs> yeah yeah they did they, they were really a lot did. they took them all they <laughs> took every player that had some off field red flags yeah honestly they just, uh, they really they're so they obviously won one of the corners i think you could be confident in saying they wanted jc horner patrick sertan at 10 yes. and then it's there and then they trade back and they still grab Micah Parsons, which is which was interesting when they took him because you have Leighton Van Der Esch there. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. And then you also have Jalen Smith, who was a disaster last year, but mm-hmm. they've paid him a ton of money. And then later, one of my favorite picks in their draft class, they grabbed Jabril Cox. But, like, how does he see the field? Like, they've invested so much at a low-value position. Like, linebacker is a low-value position. Dude, their depth chart of linebacker is comical. Leighton Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, Micah Parsons, uh, Jabril Cox, and they signed Keanu Neal to play linebacker also. Oh, my gosh. They got five LBs. Too, too, like I don't know what the obviously like they they're gonna move on from Jalen Smith. It's not a uh, like his contract is they can't do it this year, but probably next year. What's but, wild is that they gave him that contract before they gave it to Dak, and they yeah. they get I, that contract both the Jalen Smith contract and then also the Zeke contract is just gonna like kill them. I, I will say though it's probably indicative. We'll go we'll flip to the fourth round here where Jabril Cox is one of my favorites. It's not gonna be my favorite, but it was probably indicative of how high they were on Jabril Cox. Yeah, absolutely. Where they're like, oh shit, we're low at this position. But he's available at pick 115. We're going to still get it. Yeah, like, we're still going to do they, it. We've seen them do that a lot. You know, we've seen them when they're like, like CeeDee Lamb. It's not that similar, but like CeeDee Lamb falls in. They have a lot of receivers. But like, hey, he's here. Let's we're going to take him. Like, yeah. Jabril Cox, I think it's a similar method. Yeah. All right. Your favorite pick from round four. Round four, my favorite pick. I don't want to go too, too uh, over the top on my Browns praise, but I love the Tommy Togi I pick. I, 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 there's not a lot of DTs in this class that I thought could ever be impact pass rushers. Uh, Togi is one of them. To get that guy in the fourth round, only a junior, 
not played a lot of football. So very surprising that he came out. But an elite athlete, like elite explosiveness off the ball, strong as hell, dominated that playoff game against Clemson, was the most impactful defensive player on the football field in that game. I, I just struggled to see how in a weak DT class he falls to where he did. So love the Togi pick. And your least favorite pick from round four. It's the next one. So Togi goes at 132. And then my God, Ian Book goes at 133. I, somewhat, I got asked on radio last week. The prop was Ian Book, I want to say like 200 was his prop, was his over-under. And I'm like, dude, if he goes below 200, like, I'll, I'll pay off your bet for you. I, can, I couldn't fathom him going below wow. 200. He goes 133. That's crazy. <sighs> Quarterbacks are interesting like that, though, because like, it just takes yeah. one team to like, kind of like them, and then yeah. they go. You know, like, I think that's tough. So I did that thread of the farthest throws from every quarterback in their college career. Ian Book's is with 55 yards, and it was with a crow hop back against <laughs> Miami a few years back. I was like, holy shit, that's your farthest. That's all he's got, dude. Yeah. That's, my, I don't know what you do with that. I just don't know how that guy comes off the board. Like, what's your, what's your upshot here? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what does that turn into for you, Ian Book? I don't know. I don't know. I think my favorite pick of round four was actually a few picks after that, Rashad Weaver going to the Tennessee Titans at 135. I think that was a really, really good value. A handful of other really good day three picks here. Let's jump to round five, your favorite pick of round five. My favorite pick of round five. We'll stop doing these favorite picks because really that does. At round five, it's like. Just four four rounds long. So at round five, you'll get long snappers coming off the board, kickers, whatever. But I do think Jamar Johnson is exceptional value in round five, and he could not have gone to a better landing spot. My God, to the Broncos, pick 164. So the Indiana safety, Jamar Johnson, we've talked about him a lot. 47th overall player on the PFF draft board. Ball production for days. One of the smoothest safeties in this class. And he goes to a place where in Denver, where they're not asking the safeties to add much in terms of run defense. They are coverage players first. It's the genius of Vic Fangio's scheme. And... That's what he does. He is a coverage player first. He is not a mm-hmm. not an add-on in the run game. Going to miss a lot of tackles, but my God, playmaker. And he gets to learn from you know, Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, two of the better ones doing it. Dude, again, it comes back to Vic Banjo just like is adding that secondary with reckless abandon. Yeah, he identifies guys for his scheme very well, seemingly. That's awesome. I think yeah. my favorite pick from round five, I like the Jamar Johnson one. That was the biggest value, I think, from the PFF draft board where he was selected in round five. But another pick I liked, and I can't believe I'm saying it, because I feel like I was one of those guys who was low on Sean Wade. But Sean Wade at 160 to Baltimore is, like, good. Like, I think that's a good value for Baltimore, and I think it's a good landing spot for him as well. Like, he can do a lot of different things for them, learn from a lot of really talented defensive backs. They they groom defensive backs well as well. I think Sean Wade at 160, like, that's worth the flyer on Sean yeah. Wade. It was He was never a first-rounder, especially at outside corner, but you move him into the box or the slot like i I'm, I'm a big fan of that I, I think that's that's the move for sean Wade. yeah i i don't love it i still think he's a complete like a complete project and it's a little just clunky so i i, I that's where i like would have taken him so i don't think it's much of a value pick in my eyes but Fair. to right, each their six. own round six round six now we love to take gallon pick but i think the craziest one to me that he got to round six was stone forsyth the florida tackle yeah Going to the Seattle Seahawks. Now, we obviously hated. We talked about a lot their first pick. The Dwayne Eskridge one is just like, I don't love the fit there. But Stone Forsyth is a plus pass protector and has been tested a lot throughout college. I believe the fourth most true pass sets of any player in college football this past year, third most power five tackle. Um, And did exceptionally well. Pass blocking grade just below 80 in the sec against top competition size length like feet 
I don't know. Like, I think he can be a, a starting caliber tackle sooner rather than later. Like, not a project. Like, this guy's not going not to have to completely rebuild his past sets and, like, teach him what to do. That's, that's just those guys are – that's rare to find in yeah. the fourth round, let alone sixth. All right, seventh round steal for your favorite seventh round pick. Uh, there were not a lot that I was like, oh, wow. Like a guy super high on the PFF board that ends up dropping two there. The one that I will highlight, the, I think the lone top 100 player that got drafted in the seventh was Patrick Johnson from Tulane. Now he's undersized. He's probably going to be a DPR. But I think in that role, I, I think he's going to succeed. He's a pretty good athlete, a pretty plus athlete. Um, explosive as pro day, ran a good three cone and been – uber productive uses his hands really really well of the undersized sort of small school guys i don't even throw like like quincy roche or i'll even throw like the transfers in the quincy roche william bradley king um this was my favorite guy of the bunch i yeah. thought he had played a little more physical than those guys did and so to get him in the seventh the eagles love that pick i think patrick johnson was a good one i also liked um shaka tony at where they got him i think was a good yeah value. another similar undersized dpr type guy and then for six we didn't bring it up but i think trey smith the, the guard from tennessee going to kansas city i think is an interesting one for round six because yes. like he's like a pure medical upside guy like if he can be healthy and develop i was talking to someone today it's like hey not only do you want him healthy enough to see the football field you want him healthy enough to practice because like this guy has not had opportunities to legitimately develop his skill set but mm -hmm. he is rare in a lot of ways former five-star all those things kansas city continuing to invest along the offensive line here all right they had a good draft yeah they did i like i like what kansas city did and and what's your opinion now all said and done with what they addressed with their picks the orlando brown trade yeah i, I think it, it was the orlando brown trade was always just like a short-term move like it was it's going to get difficult to add talent to this roster we kept saying but i thought you know the players they got are focused on impact Immediate. NFL players yes and so I think they got those like Creed Humphrey Nick Bolton those guys will make an impact tomorrow even Cornell Powell like Cornell, yeah, Powell, Cornell Powell too yeah will make an impact tomorrow like that and, and I think you, you can, can tell that's what they're at like the Orlando Brown Jr. trade was to get better tomorrow like legitimately get someone in that could help bring the floor up of our office yes. Nick Bolton can start week one Creed Humphrey can start week one like all of those decisions are like hey we're these Super Bowl favorites you know making decisions for the future we need. We have holes to fill. We got to go make some plays. We're about the future in the future. They're they're living in the present. I can We're about the that. future in the future. You love to see it. All right, top five drafts. Let's start they're, with number they're one. They're a uh, nineteen year old. Um, all right, top five drafts. I'm gonna go number one. Uh, we'll just we'll, we won't number them. Yeah, I think you just all gotta great. like name. They're them, all like, great. Yeah. So yeah. the top five drafts were the Cleveland Browns, Chicago Bears, Los Angeles Chargers, Detroit Lions, and then I will go. Whew, this one's tough. The fifth team here. I think we go Tennessee Titans yeah. as the fifth team. Loved all five of those drafts, but some shout-outs to the Jets, Dolphins, Ravens. The Jets got great players. It's just that trade I didn't love. Yeah. Like, to give up two third-rounders. Like, I, I would have loved to them just go best lineman that follows you in the first and then two of the best linemen that followed you in the third. Could have had Brady Christensen and Wyatt Davis also, as well as Christian Derrissaw, standing at your picks. Like, that's that would be a completely rebuilt offensive line as opposed to just one Elijah Vera Tucker. It's very good. Going to be a great guard for you. But you, now you have three more holes still. Yeah. So just like, can he be as impactful as like the two other players that you obviously gave up in the round three? Like, yeah. It's going to be doubtful. I think Los Angeles Chargers one, obviously very good. Love the Rashawn Slater pick at 13. I think that's my, you know, Los Angeles, you know, Rashawn Slater at 13 
and you grab a Sante Samuel Jr. at yeah. 47. And then Josh Palmer, who is a reach compared to what other boards are, but PFF, we really like Josh Palmer. I think getting those those guys with your first three picks were power moves for this Chargers team. Yeah, so I think there are three teams. I went back and looked. Three teams that with their first two draft picks did exactly what we would have done. Mm-hmm. Or I guess I would have done on the PFF draft board. That was Chicago Bears, the trade up for Fields, and then Tevin Jenkins when he was on the board there. The Cleveland Browns with Greg Newsom and then Jeremiah Wiscormoa and the Los Angeles Chargers with Rashawn Slater and Asante Samuel Jr. Like that's what exactly what we would have done in the exact same situations. Yeah. Those are the players we would have picked. Expand so. more on the Detroit Lions draft because I think some people really like this draft. Others are like souring on it because they're still a bad football team. But I think from, you know, like they know they're well aware they're, they're not going to be uber competitive yeah. in 2021. Like they know that they have the second lowest projected win total of any mm-hmm. team in the NFL. But what they did and they went in and added legit talent in the trenches. Panay Sewell, yeah. Levi Muzurike, Aline McNeil. And then they add Ifatu Melifanu at pick, I think, 102. Like that... I think they got a lot of value in this draft. And while it won't show up in the win column probably this year, I think down the road it could be great. Yes. So Lions last regime, Bob Quinn, they come in and they say, you know, we want to get more physical. Everyone comes in and wants to get more physical. And what do they draft? They draft linebackers, two down linebackers, running backs, high, tight end. And it's like those, okay, sure, you're like your emphasis on stopping the run, running the ball, whatever. Those aren't the positions to address if that's your emphasis. You want to get more physical. You draft guys like Pende Sewell. You draft guys like Lee McNeil. You draft big-ass corners like Fatou Melifanyu. You get, draft a wide receiver who can run block like Amon Ross St. Brown, but also can get open. And you draft a versatile, a good blitzing linebacker like Derek Barnes from Purdue. Like, that's how you get more physical if that's your goal. And obviously Dan Campbell, like his press conference, was a caricature about getting more physical at, at the Lions. <laughs> but this is how you would do it in my opinion, is attack the positions that are valuable, that get paid a lot, you know? Like, save yourself some goddamn money against the cat because everyone has the same $182.5 million to work with. You have to find a way to use that money more efficiently than other teams. At the end of the day, that is how you win a Super Bowl. Use that money more efficiently than other teams. And the biggest way to get efficiency is good players on rookie deals. Always. Just dropping facts here. Day five, PFF's live draft coverage here. Let's go. jump down to your bottom five drafts. Bottom five drafts. So now it's always when you don't have a lot of picks and then you light them on fire. That's it's a it's an easy <laughs> way to get to a bottom five draft. That's so the, uh, tell me how you really feel. So the Houston Texans with not a lot of picks trading up then for one guy and Nico Collins in the third round. And like, that's where we would have drafted Nico Collins. Fine. End of the third round, but to trade up. And that was like the, one of the worst expected value trades of the draft with what they gave up for what they got back the pick they got back which just like dude what are you doing but you got holes over this roster and you got you want that one guy that one guy but and then the davis mills pick hammered it that the day of makes zero sense to me utterly none you are now i guess if he plays well as a rookie you can trade him for more than a third is your best option like the the best thing that can come from this but one, he's probably not going to play as a rookie. Like you got Terod Taylor there. Uh, Deshaun Watson's not going to play for them. Obviously, you got Terod Taylor there. So one, he's probably your backup as a rookie. And then two, you're going to have a top three pick. You're the worst team in the NFL on paper. It's not even a debate. You're what's their win total? Four, four and a half, four and a half in the 17 game season. That's your over under. And I'm still taking the under <laughs> that. That's where you're at as a franchise. So 
recognize that and realize that you're going to draft a quarterback next year, even if you love Davis Mills. It's kind of like, uh, let's just say, Gardner Minshew. Like, Gardner Minshew can be fine. You're still going to draft a quarterback if you got the number one, number two, or number three overall pick. Mm -hmm. And they're going to. And so recognize that. So I went in a little bit too much on that. Let's go to the next team here. Seattle Seahawks, another team with a lot, not a lot of picks. And then they go Dwayne Eskridge, who you have the worst cornerback group in the NFL. Now they addressed it a little later on, Trey Brown. And they addressed their offensive line. I love the guys they did draft in Trey Brown, Stone Forsyth, where they got them. But Dwayne Eskridge is a one-trick speed dude with bad hands. 16 drops, and I believe like 138 catchable over the course of his college career. Every year, bad and just rough. And he's going to be 24 as a rookie. Just like, I don't know. I don't think you needed to draft him where they did. But that's why they're on this list. What's your opinion of the Saints draft? I think a lot of people are seeing the Saints draft as one of the worst ones, but we don't have that as a bottom five draft. It was, it, it was close to the bottom, a bottom five. It wasn't great. But the Adebo pick, I can understand. The the Werner pick is solid, at least. He's a solid player. Turner, like I said, like Turner, but just kind of an unknown. So I don't hate it, kind of like, but some of like the decisions these other teams made like were just like very big head scratchers. Like the Rams didn't make the bottom five either, and I kind of had some issues with what they did also but there was but like i said these bottom five were like just every pick was kind of just yikes all right let's wrap here with uh just some landing spots for the top undrafted free agents oh i didn't say the other bottom five so packers steelers and raiders packers biggest consensus board reach in the first round or not consensus board pff board reach in the first round i think the second biggest pff board reach in the second round that's the case we're just not gonna like your draft and before people say oh you think you guys think you know everything here at PF? It's like if you're watching this, you're coming from my opinion. That's my opinion on those two picks. I was yeah. far lower than the Packers were. <laughs> there you have it. Uh, the Steelers running back, like we said, talked about at nauseum. You could have gotten a tackle. You got to help your pass protection and your run game. You got to run it back. I don't. I, d- I do think that I started to like what some of the things that the Steelers did on day two, but the Najee Harris pick it just doesn't just make a ton of sense from the value. Yeah. Like you got a good player, like you got a good player in Najee Harris, but getting him at twenty four when you had opportunities to add along the offensive line, get a Tevin Jenkins or whatever it may be. Yeah. Like I remember when we were doing pre draft stuff, it was like, oh, they're getting a tackle. There's no way Tevin Jenkins makes it past twenty four, and they yep. pass on him. And they pass on a lot of other really you know talented offensive tackles to bring in Najee Harris, and they have holes on this offensive line. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Really crazy. All right, let's wrap here with uh, some some landing spots for some of the top undrafted free agents that did sign somewhere. I'm going to read them off to you. Give me your opinion on that. Number one, um, number one, Ardarius Washington goes to the Baltimore Ravens. Your opinion on that fit? Oh, my God, I love it. Uh, slot cornerback or like box safety. There are multiple safeties they use in that defense. I love that fit. Couldn't have gone to a better spot, honestly. One of your favorite drafts, Cleveland Browns. They also add... Marvin Wilson, Florida mm. State defensive tackles. No draft free agent. I think that's that's monstrous. Oh my God. Yeah. I wonder if there's medicals there too. Because mm-hmm. as bad as his tape was this past year, it was not UDFA tape. A lot of DTs drafted on day three were far worse than he was. So that one's very curious to me. And then lastly, one of your guys, Cade Johnson, signs with the Seattle Seahawks. I like that. Like I like that fit better than the Eskridge fit, honestly, for them. Really? I think he's their type of slot wide receiver with how shifty he is and how physical he is. I don't know. I, I, I really like that fit. Interesting. All right. Well, that's going to do he it for our day five of PFF NFL draft coverage. We really appreciate everyone that's been tuning in live on YouTube, Twitter, or PFF.com for 22 hours, day one, day two, day three, and then the Sunday recap show. And now two for one drafts. Remember, we're going to do a full 
podcast on the AFC teams, draft grades and analysis on the AFC teams and look ahead to their seasons. And then the NFC teams as well. Two episodes coming out this week. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to 24 Drafts wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, that's it, man. 2021 NFL Draft is over, and we're soon to be on to 2022. Can't wait to do it. Big shout out to Mike Quinn, our producer, other producer, David Safaro, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, 24 Drafts. We'll be right back. 